It seems that no matter where you look, there's pop culture news flying around everywhere. But how can you keep up so you're ready to roll when a new episode of the Popcast comes out? Wouldn't it be wonderful if there was one place where you could go to get all the news you want? Then boy do I have good news for you, because Flipboard is here to help. Flipboard curates the world's stories so you can be smarter in your work, life, and play. Choose from thousands of topics to personalize Flipboard, and get the latest stories from the best publishers and experts delivered to you 24-7. Used by millions of people every day, Flipboard is how people move themselves and the world forward. Get started now at Flipboard.com. That's Flipboard.com. This is episode 28 of the Popcast. Hello, welcome to the Popcast, the pop culture podcast from Vernacular. We're your hosts, Maureen and Josh Goldman. Each week, we'll dive into the latest in pop culture with our three regular segments. First, the snack bag, where we cover some smaller stories from the past week. Second, the marquee topic, where we dive in-depth into one pop culture story or event. And third, the teasers, where we give our suggestions for pop culture content you might have missed, but should definitely check out. Happy New Year, honey. Welcome back. Happy New Year, everybody. Welcome to 2019. 2019! Maureen, how was your Christmas break? You had a little bit of a break. Well, I was sick. I was like super sick. Sorry I missed you all on the last episode. Uh, As my family knows, I had a fever (laughs) of over 101 for like eight days. Got up to over 103.4. Ooh, yikes. Yikes, mcgikes. But back to normal now. Finally. After about two weeks. Because immediately after Maureen's fever went away, she got a cold. So that just hit her hard. But it was a great, great Christmas, and we had a great time celebrating. And Yeah, it was really lovely. Yeah. It was really nice Christmas, great New Year. I was better by Christmas. I was was not feverish anyway. (laughs) Certainly not contagious. Thank goodness, since we were around a lot of family. Maureen, in the podcast I did by myself, I talked a little bit about how, as of that time, there was no Oscars host. There is still no Oscars host. I know. What are they doing? So I want to ask you, do you think they even need a host? Yes. I mean, it's not as if they're not going to have famous people there doing something, but do they need someone to be the center? Like maybe just don't have that and just have people come and announce the category? Yeah, or, you know, have someone do a song and have someone do something else and not, not... just someone not in the center because I was reading about the Emmys. We talked about the Emmys and about how Michael Che and Colin Jost, they were they were barely even hosting. Like they kept throwing to other people. The opening number didn't even just include them. Do we really need an Oscars host? Well, it looks like we may not have one. So it's a great question to be asking. I will say I did enjoy the Saturday Night Live video you had me watch. There was a whole bunch of impersonations of people auditioning to be the Oscars host. So maybe you can put that in the show notes for everybody. I will. It was really good. The cast is quite talented at impersonations. Let's jump into the snack Snack bag. bag. Maureen, the first thing I read was something that was uh, announced today. Very exciting. Sounds like there is going to be a musical version of The Notebook with music by Ingrid Michaelson. Your initial thoughts. Yeah, you might think that I would just cry tears of joy over this because pretty much I'm the target audience here. I love the movie The Notebook. I've seen it a billion times. I don't know. When I read this, I was kind of like, no, as our little son says, no, Mm, no. (laughs) I don't know why. I just, I feel like the movie is so perfect and 
the mu- I mean, I like Ingrid Michaelson, so maybe the music will be good. But what I f- was that? What's her name? Ingrid Michaelson. You said Ing Ing. It was like you. St- <laughs> Ingrid Michaelson. Yeah. Okay. Ingrid. Yeah, that's right. I like Ingrid Michaelson, but I don't know. I just I feel like we may have another Bridges of Madison County on our hands. Ooh. Now let me tell our listeners. Now two of our superstar listeners, Kevin and Kathy, will know what we're talking about here because we made them see it with us on Broadway. This musical, obviously it was a book, Bridges of Madison County, and then it was a movie with Meryl Streep and Robert Redford, classic, and then they made it into a musical. And I loved it, and Josh loved it. The music was beautiful, but our entire family thought it was a snoozeville. Um, and it didn't do well on Broadway. It closed pretty shortly after. So I'm, I don't know. I'm hoping that The Notebook will do better than that. But it could be that kind of like classic movie story that then kind of doesn't translate well to the stage. I don't. I don't think that this is going to do well. I do think the music could be good. To Maureen's point, we love the music from Bridges of Madison County. It may be one of my favorite Broadway scores ever by the fantastic Jason Robert Brown. So maybe the music will be good. I don't know. It'll be hard to top. Well, Waitress did really, really well. I mean, like Waitress is an example of a movie that was then, but it's not a classic movie like The Notebook. It'll be hard to top Ryan Gosling and Rachel McAdams. Yeah. They, they're so known for that they're so known for that movie that it'll be hard for two other actors to step in and do that. I guess we'll just have to see. I will certainly be interested in it and it might have an out of town tryout. It'd be cool if it was in DC because then we could check it out before it goes to Broadway. We'll just have to see. I'm excited that she's doing the music though because both you and I really like her music and she actually was on Broadway herself in Natasha Pierre and the Great Comet of 1812. Man, that's a that's a mouthful of a name. Yeah, that didn't do well either, did it? No, it didn't last for very long. Mm. But anyway, we will just have to wait and see. Okay, this next snack bag topic, you guys, Josh sent to me, and it is hilarious. Yeah, Things I want Americans do in movies. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, I wanted, what do you want to do, honey? What do I, you want? You want? I'm going to read. I'm going to read Maureen some of these. I'm going to read some of these to you, and I want you to react. Well, I already picked out my top favorites. Okay, those are the ones I was gonna read. Oh, okay, great. I'm gonna. I want to. I want to read the ones. I'm gonna read the actual things that people wrote that I had reactions. Yeah, that to. you had reactions okay. to. Okay, so basically. So wait, you guys. These are things that people wrote on social media, mainly Twitter. I think. Yeah, foreign people who don't live in the United States were sort of reacting to things that are pretty commonly seen in American TV and movies. And they were so outraged that they had to tweet it. Here's the first one Maureen reacted to. Americans in movies always swallow pills without water. Is this something y'all actually do? Ew, no. Who does that? That's horrifying to me. I literally read this and then I felt like my throat was closing up with pills in it because I don't think I could do it. I always drink water to take my Tylenol. The end. Okay, here's the next one. Do Americans really wear their outside shoes around the house? On their beds? Is TV lying? I hope so. So I hope so too. Josh and I take off our shoes when we come in the door. We are a shoe-free house. Yes. Except for the entryway. I grew up in a half shoe house and half shoe-free house and I always thought it was weird to take off my shoes. But now that I like know what's on the bottom of my shoes and I sit on my floor, I'm a shoe-free house. I will say I have plenty of friends. I like about 50-50. I would say some people wear their shoes in the house and other people don't. But the shoes on the bed, that's just... No, no. That's and a no, no. And let me just say that the 50% of the people who do wear their shoes in the house, they're wrong. You shouldn't. Okay. You Josh, just shouldn't. Josh feels very strong. I about am this. a shoe-free house advocate. 
Okay, Maureen, the next one. This has to do with one of our favorite meals that we get to go. Do Americans really eat Chinese food out of those cardboard boxes like in TV shows? Question mark, question mark, question mark. So I can only speak for Josh and I. We order Chinese fairly frequently. We usually get the same thing. One of them comes in a plastic container and the rice comes in a box and the other one comes in a box. And no, we do not eat straight out of the box. We but could. I wonder, I wonder you, if you we... Could. We because put them we on share plates. Them, but yeah. it's because we share them. So I think, what if we didn't share them? And because we them? have different things. I still don't think I would eat the lo mein out of the box. It's like packed in that box. You have to like take it out of the box and it expands like three times. Yeah. You really do get your bang for your buck with Chinese food. Delish. Okay. The last one you pointed out, this was so egregious to some people. It was actually on this list like of 25 things times. twice. Yeah. It was more, I think it was more than twice. Here's what it, here's what one of them said. Why do Americans in movies never say goodbye on the phone? Uh, yeah, it, it, that's not a real thing. But I think that that is not only Americans. I feel like it happened in Love Actually, and I just was watching this over the holiday, and I was like, what? Um, although maybe it was an American character. I think it was Laura Linney. If you watch, if you watch, they really don't say goodbye. I say goodbye probably too many times. I'm always like, goodbye, I love you. I love you, goodbye. I love you, talk to you soon. So no, that's not a real thing. We will link the whole list of 25 things. It's really funny to read. So check these out. See if see if they ring true to you as well. Yeah, let us know if we're way off the mark and you like to sleep with your shoes on and never Boo. say goodbye to people and only eat out of boxes. Yeah, and maybe we're you just, just don't maybe we're drink in the water. You just chew pills for breakfast. Maybe we're in the minority. All right, our last snack bag topic is a little something different. On Sunday, coming up, this uh, the Sunday after this podcast is released, on January 6th, we are going to have the Golden Globe Awards. And I thought it would be fun for Maureen and I to make some predictions on the movie side. So we're just going to go through some of the major categories and each give our picks for who we think might take home the award. Now, the interesting thing about the Golden Globes, and we're going to do a full marquee topic next week about the actual show yeah, and so the we winners. Should keep, we'll keep this one brief. We're just yeah. going to give you like our pick and like a less than a sentence why. Yeah. But basically, the... HFPA, the Hollywood Foreign Press Association. Hoofpa. Hoofpa. They're the ones who award these trophies, and they're only like 90-some voting members. So it's a very, very small group of people who are actually voting. So it's really interesting that this is such a big event or has become such a big event, but I'm not sure the, the awards ultimately mean that much when we're talking about the ultimate award, the Oscars. Anyway, here are our predictions Best actor in a musical or comedy, Maureen, I will remind you of who the nominees are, and then you tell me who you think will win. Christian Bale for Vice, Lin-Manuel Miranda for Mary Poppins Returns, Viggo Mortensen, Green Book, Robert Redford, The Old Man and the Gun, John C. Riley, Stan and Ollie. Who is your prediction? I pick Christian Bale because he had to get really fat, and he, like, he, I don't know, I, I think that's going to be a good role for him. I think that there is only one true competitor for Christian Bale. So my choice will also be Christian Bale. I think Viggo Mortensen could present somewhat of a challenge. Green Book has gotten really good reviews. Best actress in a musical or comedy. Josh, I will remind you of the nominees oh, thank for this you. category. And then you can tell us who you think it's going to be. Emily Blunt, Mary Poppins Returns. Olivia Coleman, The Favorite. Elsie Fisher, Eighth Grade. Charlize Theron, Tully. Constance Wu, Crazy Rich Asians. You read it like you were presenting the award. It was very exciting. I would like to be. In fact, Oscars, you still need a host. Pick me. 
Maureen will host the Oscars. My choice for this is Emily Blunt for Mary Poppins Returns. I think it's just such a big classic role that she took on. Interesting fact, Josh has not seen this movie, and I have. I think she was really good. I think you could be right. I'm picking Elsie Fisher for eighth grade because she's just my favorite, and I really want her to win. And she's only 14. I know. And she did such... We've talked about this before on the podcast, but she just did such a like raw and honest performance, and I just... I think she deserves it. Best actor in a drama. Maureen, I will remind you of the nominees. Bradley Cooper, A Star is Born. Bradley. Willem Dafoe, At Eternity's Gate. Lucas Hedges, Boy Erased. Rami Malek, Bohemian Rhapsody. John David Washington, Black Klansman. So if you couldn't tell from my heckling, I pick Bradley Cooper, A Star is Born. I really hope he gets this. I, I don't know. We We also saw Bohemian Rhapsody, and I think... I'll be interested to see if what I'm thinking will happen is that Star is Born is going to sweep and it's going to be like, oh, sucks for Bohemian Rhapsody that they went up against Star is Born. But I could be way wrong and Bohemian Rhapsody could like rob Bradley Cooper, which I hope doesn't happen. So your choice is Bradley Cooper. I am going to go with Rami Malek here for best lead actor. It's going to be a fight between those two. So we will see. Best actress in a drama. Maureen, please remind me of the nominees. Glenn Close, The Wife. Lady Gaga, A Star is Born, Nicole Kidman, Destroyer, Melissa McCarthy, Can You Ever Forgive Me, Rosamund Pike, A Private War. I'm going to go with Lady Gaga Ditto. here. Ditto. I think that it's, it's hers to yeah, lose it's not at this a, point. Not plus, a contest. the HFPA loves stars and they want her Hip-hop on stage. Hip-hop plus Gaga equals winning. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Guys, every once in a while I say something so random that Josh actually laughs. And she, that was she one just of them. catches me off guard. Yeah, it was good. Best director. The nominees are Bradley Cooper for A Star is Born, Alfonso Cuaron, Roma, Peter Farrelly, Green Book, Spike Lee, Black Klansman, Adam McKay, Vice. Your choice. I'm picking Alfonso. Oh, I can't even say his name. Alfonso Cuaron for Roma. I just know that this film is getting a ton of buzz and I just know nothing about it, but I feel like based on what I'm hearing, he's going to win. I'm actually going to go with Bradley, Bradley Cooper. Because you didn't pick him for best actor. I know. I think that he's going to win either best director or best actor. And since I didn't pick him in my prediction to win best actor, I'm going to go with him here. Maureen, best musical or comedy. The nominees are. remind you. No, me, me. Oh, right. It's your turn to remind Thank you. me. Crazy Rich Asians, The Favorite, Green Book, Mary Poppins Returns, and Vice. Your choice. I I don't know. I don't really. I'm picking Mary Poppins Returns. I think I'm going to go with Vice here. Yeah. I think that it is going to win something. It may only win Best Actor for Christian Bale, but I don't know. I think it could win this too. All right. Last but not least. Best best Drama. drama, Black Panther, Black Klansman, Bohemian Rhapsody, If Beale Street Could Talk, a Star is Born. Your choice. I'm picking A Star is Born. I will also pick A Star is Ooh, Born. Ooh, I thought you were going to pick Black Panther. You know, there is a good chance that that does well here, but I think that the train for A Star is Born is just chugging along too well at this point. It's going to take home a big award, and I think that's going to be it. All right, you guys. It's time to move on to the marquee topic, which I kid you not, Josh picked this week, and it's my favorite topic ever. I will the say that the Bachelor franchise. I will the say Bachelor, that we're talking about the Bachelor. I will say that we've and the done Bachelor. like 27, 28 marquee topics at this point. And this may be the only one that Maureen's really been excited about. I added so many notes to our outline, you have no idea. 
So let me give you a little background first. Maureen, you can... I will jump in. You can jump in, but yeah. try not to jump in too emphatically because okay. we will cover a couple of these points later. But The Bachelor premiered in 2002, season 23. 23 premieres on Monday, January 7th, which will star Colton Underwood as The Boo. Bachelor. The Bachelorette premiered in 2003, a spinoff of The Bachelor. Season 15 will likely premiere in May of 2019. Of the 21 Bachelors we've had, since one of them, Brad Womack, has been the Bachelor twice. He is the worst. And since Colton's season has yet to air, only three relationships of those have lasted. And one of those was the most recent season, and they're not yet married. The other two are Sean Lowe and Catherine... Maureen, you're going to have to help me out. Catherine, how do you say her last name? I don't know. Well, she's Catherine Lowe now. I think it's... Judici? Judici. We'll go with that. They have two kids. And then the other one is Jason Mesnick and Molly. Maureen, give us a little bit of background yeah. on the scandal. So let me with break Jason. this down. So briefly. Briefly, fine. The first successful bachelor couple, so the guy was the bachelor, was Jason Mesnick, except it was like scandal to the max. So he picked Melissa Rycroft. And then on after the final rose, like they air the finale and then he and Melissa come out and they're like, oh my gosh, you guys happy? And Jason's This is sort of like the reunion show it, it, after the final rose. Yes, but for viewers, it's happening immediately after you find out who, right. he, who gets engaged. And Jason basically says, Melissa, I'm so sorry. I don't want to lead you on. I think I made a mistake. I would like to pick Molly. Wow. I mean, it was like groundbreaking. So, obviously, scandal, scandal, scandal. Melissa went on to do very well for herself, did a lot of, I think, Dancing with the Stars. She's happily married now and has kids. Jason and Molly are married, and Jason had a son from a previous marriage, and he and Molly have a daughter now, and their wedding was on TV, and they're, like, super happy. Then Sean and Catherine, who are my personal favorite couple out of well, all well, of the Bachelor on, franchise. Maureen. We're going to get to our favorites later. Fine. Okay. We'll come back to them. But there's there was no scandal involved in theirs. Sean picked Catherine. He proposed to her. They got married on TV. They have two beautiful children. Look them up on Instagram. They're very adorable. The most recent Bachelor, Ari Leyendijk, he did the same thing with Jason. He pulled a Mesnick, hardcore. He picked Becca Kufrin, who later went on to be the Bachelorette. And then they showed this whole, basically he and Becca get engaged. And then they showed this horrible, like, him breaking up with Becca. And then he ends up telling Lauren, the runner-up, I really wanted you instead. So Becca went on to be the Bachelorette. Bachelor Nation, a.k.a. all of the viewers who watch these things and follow on social media, championed Becca. Lauren and Ari got together. They're now pregnant. They're having a baby in 2019, in the spring, I think. And they're getting married soon. So those are the three. Two, Paul Demesnik and Sean and Catherine are the normal ones. Okay, so of the 14 Bachelorettes we've had, six are still together with the people that they chose on the show. So that includes Becca Kufrin and Garrett, whatever your last name is. It's very hard to say. Rigoyen. Sure, whatever. Rachel Lindsay and Brian Abasolo, Jojo Fletcher and Jordan Rogers, who is the brother of Green Bay Packers yes, quarterback they're Aaron Rodgers. They they're have not a speaking. They're not speaking. Very strained relationship. Desiree Hartstock and Chris Siegfried. Those two are married. The other three are all just still engaged. Desiree and Chris got married and they have a little boy and they have another one on the way. Ashley Hebert. And J.P. Rosenbaum. Also got married. They have two kids as well. And then the OG. Oh, my gosh. The VIPs, the royal family of, I would say, of Bachelor Nation is 
Trista Wren and Ryan Sutter. Trista was runner-up on the first season ever of The Bachelor, and then she became Bachelorette number one. She picked Ryan. They got engaged, and they... I mean, they've been married for over 10 years now. They got married on TV. They have two beautiful children. Um, They've renewed their vows. They've been present at other, like, bachelor things. But they are, like, a very normal couple. Ryan is a fighter. Whoa. They're a very normal couple. Ryan is a fighter, fighter, fighter. (laughs) He's a fighter of fires. Ryan fights fires. They're a very normal couple. Ryan is a firefighter in Colorado. And I just think they're a great example of the show can actually work. And I know, well, are we'll, we going we'll to get into that. like why I why I think yes, this franchise we, has value? We'll we'll get to that. Okay. So just a, a little bit more background, and then we're going to jump into a couple topics for discussion. At the height of the Bachelorette, which was the season finale of the first season, it had twenty million viewers. At the height of the Bachelor, which was its second season finale, it had almost twenty six million viewers. But The Bachelor has long been the more consistent program and still averages close to 8 million viewers a week, while The Bachelorette, likely due to its summer air slot, averages close to 6 million per week. Okay, so the first thing I want to talk about is your overall thoughts on the franchise. And you can get into here whether you think that the show has value or not. Maureen, we'll start with you. I love this franchise. That is not a question. That is a fact. I love this franchise. Okay, so reasons why. First of all, I know that this is pure entertainment. This is like bubblegum TV. This is reality TV at its best. This is when you need to turn your brain off. You need to relax. You're just enjoying. But I find that it has a little bit more like value to me than something like Real Housewives. I'm not saying that that's not also entertaining. It's just I like that this show is about, well, as much as TV can be real, that, but that it's about people dating and falling in love. And I do really like that several of the couples have gotten married and have kids and have these lives because of this TV show. That's bananas to me. And I know it didn't work for the vast majority of them, but I just think that it's cool. I will say Chris Harrison, who is the host, his, the only host that the franchise has ever had, is pretty close to worthless. I mean, he's very... He's barely on the show anymore, but he kind of holds it all together. Um, But I just, I think that the premise has shown that it actually can work. And I have thoughts about, so there's The Bachelor and The Bachelorette, and then there's a couple spinoffs of the franchise, and we'll talk about that a little later. A very little, very little later. I want to focus on the main two stays of this franchise. That's fine, but I think that the other ones have value because we're just going to get into it now. So here's my thought. Bachelor, Bachelorette. What it is is one person. Can I respond about like the show overall first before you? Sure. Okay. So Maureen clearly likes this show. I will say for full disclosure, there were several seasons, probably two or three of each, The Bachelor and The Bachelorette, where I was fully invested in watching because- Josh live tweeted with a friend of his. I live tweeted. They had live like, fan accounts. We had fan accounts. We have like close to 10,000 followers between the two accounts. And I thought it was really fun, but mostly we just made fun of the show. I also... Which is very easy to do. Right. I also wrote a blog for a couple seasons where we would recap the episodes. We'd do power rankings of the people remaining, which was fun. It just took a lot of time and people weren't really reading it. So we stopped doing it. I just feel like the show is just... To me, it's not 
a true depiction of how relationships work. And I think that is in and of itself why I don't like the premise of the show. Like there is no situation where you would be dating more than one person at a time so seriously and the other people would be okay with it. Okay. Just so not let me a real totally depiction agree of life. With you. So what I was going to say before you kind of chimed in is that there's the bachelor and the bachelorette, the two flagships where one person dates like 25 to 35 other people and then narrows it down. And there's only one, everyone's vying for one person. The power that that one person has and the ego trip that they can go on is totally out of whack. Not normal. Agree with you. Some of the spinoffs, which include Bachelor Pad, which I never really watched, but apparently there was a married couple that came out of that. Holly Durst and Blake Julian. I don't know. You'll have to fact check me, America, but that's what I read online today. Um, Bachelor Winter Games, which was during the Olympics this year. I mean, that was just the silliest, stupidest thing ever. And Bachelor in Paradise, which I actually like I would say even more than The Regular Bachelor. So basically the premise of this show is that contestants that you've seen in The Bachelor or Bachelorette come back and they're all in this beach resort together in Puerto Vallarta, Mexico, but it works because the playing field is even. Now, I cannot remember who said this to me. One of my friends, if you're listening, please text me and tell me it was you. But they basically were like, the reason that that one works better is because the power is even and it shifts back and forth. So one week the guys are in control and they decide who goes home and the next week the girls are in control. So it's not one person and 25 people trying to date them. It's 15 people and they're all trying to date each other. So it's, I mean, it's still reality TV. It's still very silly, but I think because it's more like real life and it's more like, okay, you have a lot of options, but eventually you need to pick someone and then they need to pick you back. Like you're not always safe. I think there's been some great relationships that have come out of that. Two couples are married and have kids, Carly Waddell and Evan Bass, and Tanner Tolbert and Jade Roper, both from Bachelor in Paradise seasons. And then Ashley and Jared, who are a famous on-again, off-again couple, are engaged to be married, and they met in Bachelor in Paradise as well. What's interesting about what you just said was another question that I wanted to discuss with you, which is why has the show continued to be successful? And... I think your answer might be different than mine, but you seem to say that this show actually works and that that is why it can be entertaining and successful. But I actually feel like as I've watched from like five or six years ago since I started watching it, that the show has actually become aware of the fact that people sometimes hate watch it, sometimes realize how ridiculous it is and play that up. And that's the well, only is, reason. I mean, it's totally ridiculous. Right, but that's the only reason that it's still on the air. Like, mm-hmm. Chris Harrison is very aware that the show, Bachelor in Paradise, is the most ridiculous premise for a show. I mean, they stir up drama just for the purpose of making the show. There is no drama. They're just at a resort in Mexico. But they do things like they will cut together audio from one scene with another just to make drama. They will make it look like you're talking to a reptile on the beach instead of, you know, you were just talking to a producer. that's not even their flagship. That's like their August, like ABC needs to fill the air. It's literally on like two nights a week. Right, but I think that's that's why the show continues to be successful. They are very aware that the online community is responding to their ridiculousness and like the more ridiculous and the more out there it becomes the more people are going to watch because people want to tweet about it people want to 
you know, they want to write about it because it's so ridiculous. I, I get that. I have a different take. And it's based on my personal experience, so take it with a grain of salt. But I feel like when you're watching these shows, you get invested in these relationships. It's basically like watching Match.com play out if like somebody had gone through all the profiles, picked the two most beautiful people who seem well-matched and threw them in a room together. I, I don't know. So it's like you get to know these people and get to know them. I'm using air quotes, you guys, because you only get to know what the producers and editors cut together for you, right? This is still storytelling. It's TV. Um, but as an audience member, you feel like you know these people. And then you see them like building real relationships and being really emotional and like vulnerable. And like whether or not that's real, as an audience member, you feel like it's real. I just don't feel, I don't feel that emotional connection because I think I'm aware of the emotional manipulation the producers and editors are are using to get people to watch a show. Like I don't buy that people are actually truly emotionally involved because they're in this like little world where they can't have cell phones and they can't have access to news. And so their only thoughts are consumed by, can I compete with this other person to get the affection of this one person to me? But for the handful of people that actually met their spouse, like it, it does I would, work. I would argue that all of the relationships that have been successful were successful because of the time they spent together after the show, as opposed to what, like, I would just count but they their time. Still, but they still sure, met, they met the and they, they were Guys, attracted Josh to each is other. Like so like looking hatefully at me right now. Like I'm not, he's so anti. I'm not trying to be hateful. I'm just trying to provide a different opinion. I, I'm not mad at you. I'm just trying to let everyone know how passionate you are about this. I think in very few circumstances where the people remain together, was it because of their time on The Bachelor or Bachelorette? Because I can't imagine that a person who won the show, so the person who got picked in the end, watched the entire thing back and watched their their now fiancé in love with someone else. Like up until the very well, final of, they've, moment. They've talked about it. And some of the people who quote unquote won, right, the people who get engaged, don't watch it. They they decide. But there's like, just no denying the fact that they're aware yeah. that there was someone else up until the very last day that their significant honey, honey, other was it's, dating. It's it's not reality. It's reality TV. I understand that. So the the point that I want to make here also is that what I was going to say is that I get invested in these people and you're like watching these people fall in love. I also have to give major credit to the producers and editors, the people who are creating this show, as a viewer. I mean, it is the dumbest. I, I can't even bear to watch it sometimes because I'm like, this is moving so slowly. Like, can I just fast forward and get to the point? However, you feel, I feel so invested. The way they edit it together, you feel like, I shouldn't say you, I feel like when I'm watching it that I have to know what happens because these people are my friends. Now, that is obviously not the case, but that is some good TV making right there. And what I was thinking as I was doing research for this was, oh, my gosh, like Bachelor in Paradise two years ago, I was so invested and I like had to watch it and I had to catch up and find out what happened. And there were these two people that got engaged. I can't even remember their names now and they're not together. But like after the show ended, I never followed them on anything. So they just fell out of my radar. But while it's happening, there is some masterful, masterful production happening to make this story what it is i think agree to disagree on that point i don't feel invested with anybody on the show but i can see your point i could see why you might be invested 
because I get invested in other reality shows, as we've talked about on the podcast before. I love Survivor, and I get invested in those characters. But again, it's a produced TV show, so there's no reason why I should be invested in that and not this, other than just personal preference, I think. Okay, so let's talk a little bit about one point in particular that I think is really interesting that I touched on in the background, which is there has been a much better track record with The Bachelorette's and their significant others staying together, nearly 50%, versus the bachelors staying with their significant others, which yeah. is something like, I don't know, like 15% or less, 10%. Do you have any thoughts why? I have I have one thought, and what I don't know it? if it's true. I just think that there is this, I, and I was trying to look at the people who have not succeeded that I know about, that I was aware of when I watch a show. There is just this like toxic, masculinity with some of the contestants i'm thinking about this guy jake who oh, is this jake pavelka who is this, on the wings of love yeah, he was a he was, pilot he was an airline pilot and he was like maybe verbally abusive to the person Their he egos chose get blown like totally out and of i just portion. yeah that i think that's part of the problem and the other person i was thinking about was juan pablo oh also awful not to mention brad womack who was so awful he didn't even pick someone the first, the first time. The first time he had two women and he was like, no, no. And then they invited him back. And then he picked someone and then he dumped They're not her. together. Yeah. yeah. I just think that there is this, like when you when men get that kind of an ego, when they're like, I have 25 women vying for my attention, it's just different than when a woman gets that power. They're more level-headed and they're able to approach it better. And I think that because of that, you get very few men who are the right temperament to take on the role of the bachelor. And I think the one really successful one is Sean Lowe and he, Maureen can tell you more, but he's like very grounded in his faith. And like, he seemed to take it very seriously. He wasn't, he clearly wasn't there to like have his ego built up. Well, so that's what I was going to ask. And this is complete conjecture, but I wonder how many of the bachelor contestants actually want to get married. And that's why they're going on this versus how many want to be famous or want their 15 minutes compared to the bachelorette how many of them really wanted to get married now we we don't know the answer to this but i would bet that probably more of the women actually had the goal of finding their partner in life and i think that makes a huge difference so anyway that was my one thought about why those relationships might be more successful than the the bachelor relationships the thing i want to close on here which is more of a happy note is maureen tell me some of your favorite bachelor and bachelorette contestants i only have one because you're really gonna have to take the reins here because you know much more about i know exactly who yours is yeah i will wait she's not a success story she's not a success story but i have followed her on social media since and she has a beautiful life now you already talked a little bit about sean so you like sean lowe so sean lowe is my ultimate favorite sean and Catherine, and josh touched on this a little bit sean was just a very genuine seeming bachelor when he was on the show and it turned out to be true in real life i don't remember exactly what his story was it was he is very grounded in his faith he and his family are i think non-denominational christians but that's very important to him and he had gone through a phase of i think partying and having different girlfriends and don't quote me on any of this i i don't think he was an actual virgin but what, what he basically did was say 
I want to get my life back in order. For him, that was a bit like he was on the show, it seemed to find a wife and it turned out to be true. And he and Catherine are still very active in their church. They have two little boys now. He's very active with his family. They've been back on a lot of bachelor things to kind of give advice. But I think that what it seems to me from what I see of their social media profiles and what we saw on their wedding and TV is that they genuinely love each other. They have similar values and they want to be married and, and having a family together. And I just think that that is the ultimate success story. And Trista and Ryan are another perfect example of that, as we mentioned, Bachelorette number one. Um, and I, my other favorites are the Bachelor in Paradise couples. I really like Jade and Tanner and I really like Carly and Evan. But I think that these people who met on this really super random show that doesn't get high ratings, you know, all of this. It's like the more trashy version, but they actually did find love and now they have families and a kid. And I just think that's kind of cool. My one favorite bachelorette is Ali Fedotowski. Ali Fedotowski. I don't know why I, this was when I was in college or just out of college when her season aired. I don't know why I started watching it, but my friend Peter and I, Peter, the co-host of Vernacular's other podcast, The Lineup, we we were watching the show in the summer. It might have been of 2010, 2009. I don't, I don't remember exactly. I don't know. I just really liked her. She's She was really fun. She seemed to really enjoy her time on the show. She's beautiful. It was just like, I don't know. It was a, I don't know why I was watching it. She's she's very much the girl next door. And I think Ali has done a really good job of taking her bachelor stardom and doing good with it. She's she created like a lifestyle blog afterwards and her her engagement to was it Roberto? Roberto. Yeah, they did not pan out. No. But she's now married, has two kids. She has, you know, this huge social media following and she talks about you know, her life behind the camera. And I, I just think she's done a good job of staying in the spotlight in a really authentic way. Um, and I think kind what's of sharing really, her life with everybody. I think what's really interesting, now that I think about it more, the, the one thing that I did sort of latch onto that season was that there is a guy who, who made it very close to the very end named Frank. And Frank ended up going back and dating. He sucked. Okay, well, what I was going to say was he seemed like a really good fit for her and I really maybe for the only time in the franchise that I've watched I was really invested in their relationship and he ended up going back and dating a girl that he had dated before but I don't like know why during the show it, it came out that he had a girlfriend or something like no he that. didn't have a girlfriend he had broken up with someone but she wanted to get back together anyway I just really felt like their relationship was really interesting and after he left I was kind of like Allie you lost the you lost the one but anyway, she is my favorite bachelorette. She doesn't really do much with the show anymore, but as Maureen said, she's doing other stuff. I think that'll do it for our Bachelor topic. If you're interested, the season premiere of Colton, we didn't even talk about him. Wait, but yeah, let me just say why I booed Colton quickly. at the beginning. I'll be quick. Colton, ugh, Colton, I, he'll be fine. He seems very charming and nice. I just get the sense, and this is just my personal opinion, that he's in it for the fame rather than for the actual love. So he was... One of the runners up, I think he was like fourth out or something like that um, on the last season of The Bachelorette. Then he shows up in Bachelor in Paradise. He like starts to get serious with this girl. He's like on again, off again. And my take was 
they basically said, Colton, do you want to be the bachelor? And he was like, okay, I can't date you anymore. I, I don't really feel that strongly. I, it just was fishy, fishy, fishy to me. Also, Colton is a virgin and they are like playing hard on this. And I just, I don't know. I have mixed feelings about this. I don't think that someone should be made to feel bad because they're waiting to have sex until marriage. I think it's something that should be celebrated and not something that is like used as like a marketing tool so explicitly. So we'll see how it goes. I I can't tell if he really wants to get married or if he just wants to be famous. So if you're interested in checking out his season of The Bachelor, it premieres on Monday, January 7th on ABC. Let's jump into our teasers and wrap things up for this week. My teaser is a film that I saw while I was on break from work. It is called Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. It is an animated Spider-Man film, and it had gotten really good reviews. I wasn't really that interested in watching it, but I had some time off from work, and I thought I'd give it a shot, and it was excellent. I might even have to, I might even have to amend what I said in the last podcast of 2018 when I talked about my favorite movie from the year. I had said it was a quiet place, but this might have topped it. It was just a really, really well done story. The animation style is breathtaking. It's beautiful. The voice acting is excellent. The story is great. It is well worth checking out. The film focuses on a character named Miles Morales instead of the traditional Peter Parker story. So it's really interesting. If you get a chance to check it out, it is well worth it. It is still in theaters now, so I would highly recommend it for families for adults for kids it's good for everybody so if you're into that kind of a film go check it out maureen what is your teaser so my teaser is another movie that we got to see over our little break for the holidays and i really enjoyed bohemian rhapsody so this is the story of freddie mercury and queen starring rami malik and the reason i chose it as my teaser is because i liked it a lot more than i thought i would and I realized how many songs that I like that are actually Queen. I don't know a lot of Queen's songs, but there's so many that I've heard on the radio that I'm like, oh, I didn't realize that was Queen. So I would recommend the movie, and I would also recommend going to Spotify and just listening to Queen's top hits. And I bet you'll be surprised at how many you can sing along to. I think that will wrap it up for this week. Thank you so much for listening. You can leave us feedback, comments, or questions on each episode by going to vernacularpodcast.com slash popcast. We would love to hear from you and would especially love to hear what you want to hear about on the show. You can also reach us by emailing thepopcast at vernacularpodcast.com. Please also subscribe so you don't miss any episodes. We put out a new one every Friday, and if it's not too much trouble, please drop us a rating or a review. It helps other people find our show. We'll be back next week, as always, sitting cross-legged on our bedroom floor with a brand new episode. Bye, everybody. Talk to you guys later. Maureen, let's jump into the snack bag. Wait, honey, before we do the snack bag, quick update on the stool. I knew you were going to bring this up. Yeah. You know, it's funny because I edit the podcast, so I could just easily cut this guy out. Honey, the stool. Come on, tell the people. The stool is it's still in progress. I had hoped to He made take... it a 2019 goal, you guys. So he now he has a whole year. <laughs> I don't I will I, if I take a whole year to do this, Caleb will not even need it at that point. He'll Can be so you tall. Just not do it. No, I'm going to do it. I've committed in my mind to doing it. Okay. I'm going to do it. You heard it here first. There will be no update on the stool until it is finished. All right, Maureen, you hear me? No. Absolutely. Do not accept.